Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Take a second to think about your particular leadership role. Who is the person or who are the people that you would most like to connect with that would be most helpful for you to connect with? What would that do for you? What would it do for your business and what would it do for your team? Our guest today has the way that you can do this. Of course, it's not necessarily going to be easy work, but if you want to find out the way to connect with the people that is most helpful for you to connect with, the people that it is most beneficial to network with, and the people who can help your business and your team grow, this podcast is going to have some great insight for you. Our guest today has a podcast called B2B Growth, which has been downloaded more than 3 million times and is a top-ranked podcast according to Forbes. He's the best-selling author of Content-Based Networking, How to Instantly Connect with Anyone You Want to Know, and he's been a contributor for Huffington Post, Entrepreneur, and Business Insider. Here is James Carberry. James, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Joshua. I really appreciate you having me on the show. So there are a few questions that I like to start off every interview with that help us to get to know you better as a leader and give us some insight for our own lives. So are you ready for these? I am. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? I don't know that it's a specific saying necessarily, but one thing that has deeply influenced uh, my leadership, the way we lead our business is from Patrick Lencioni and his emphasis on building healthy organizations through having uh, a clear set of values. Lencioni is big on only having three core values and uh, he has a, a really well-defined kind of methodology for how to come up with those values. We went through that process about a year ago and it has radically transformed how we hire, uh, how we transition people off the team, uh, and and so many other uh, so many other elements of our business have been shaped by the work we did to determine our three values. So so that would be uh, that would be the lesson that that I think uh, ha- has been the most impactful up to this point in my entrepreneurial journey. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is. I think a leader is a communicator. Uh, I think a leader is someone that cares. And I think a leader is someone that loves well. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? A question that leaders should be asking themselves is, have I loved my people well today? What is a book that you would recommend to leaders? The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? I think to start empowering your teams more. So I think becoming better delegators, uh, starting to trust your team more, empowering your team uh, more so that uh, 
so that you're no longer micromanaging your team and are able to work on higher level, more strategic uh, things that so often get neglected, especially in small businesses. And finally, we have our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? I would lean toward why not, but that's that's totally my personality. Uh, I don't know that that's, that's what's best for everyone, but it's what's best for me. I want to always lean toward, I, I want to say yes more because I think uh, I, I think the more we say yes to opportunities, the more we the the quicker we figure out what doesn't work and what does, and the quicker we get to uh, get to a spot where we can uh, we can really move the needle, uh, especially when it comes to our business. I think um, I've seen folks that have been really reticent to you know, choose a niche or to make a pivot in their business, and because of that, they see little to no growth. And I think I have had more of a posture of saying, why not to things? And so we try and experiment with a lot more things. And because of that, we've experienced a lot of growth in our business. Now, James, we are here today to talk about your book, Content-Based Networking, How to Instantly Connect with Anyone You Want to Know. Now, that's a bold claim, but it's also a really attractive proposition. Could you give us an overview of what you're talking about when it comes to content-based networking? So I started the company that I am running now, Sweetfish Media, about five years ago. And uh, about nine months into uh, the business, we had decided just what I alluded to earlier, we decided to pivot the business and really focus on a particular type of buyer. And I was trying to figure out how do I create relationships with this specific buyer persona. Up until that point, we'd been doing a lot of blogging. We were getting a lot of inbound interest in our service, but we weren't doing anything outbound. We weren't creating any sort of demand for ourselves uh, in that way. And uh, as I started thinking about how to do this, how do I, how do I build relationships with people that could potentially buy from us? I started thinking about a podcast that I had done about a year prior. The podcast was called Inspiring Awesome. It had no real business focus. We were just trying to talk to people that were doing inspiring things. And my buddy and I, uh, Kenny, uh, we were interviewing these really cool people about their nonprofits and about different initiatives that they were, that they were starting. It was super fun. But what I learned from that process was that anybody that we asked to be a guest on that show said yes. And so I thought, man, I wonder if that same kind of thinking or if that same approach would work when trying to form strategic business relationships, particularly with people that could, you know, buy our service. Mm -hmm. But it could have been, you know, if I were trying to connect with referral partners or, you know, a lot of other types of, uh, of people that could have moved the needle on our goals in the business. And so we started this niche podcast specifically aimed at not talking about what we do, not being about, you know, blog writing or what, you know, whatever our service was, but instead it was all about the persona we were trying to reach was, which was a particular type of nonprofit leader. And so we started this show. I reached out to a hundred complete strangers that had no idea who I was. And I said, Hey, would you want to be a guest on this podcast that we're starting? And 80 of them said yes. Wow. And I thought, I don't know. Uh, I don't know that anybody in the history of cold emailing has ever gotten an 80% positive response rate, uh, but we did. And uh, as it turns out, that particular buyer persona didn't have the budget 
to work with us. Uh, so it, it didn't work out in that particular context just because we had chosen the wrong people to focus on. But what I, what I realized was that this methodology of collaborating with someone to create content with them is this beautiful way of forming genuine relationships. And if you're strategic about who you're forming those relationships with, this methodology can can lead you to uh, some really incredible things and actually moving the needle on on uh, your goals and dreams. And in my context, I wanted to grow my business. Uh, and so uh, so we, we then shifted gears a little bit. We started the show you alluded to at the beginning of the interview. We started B2B Growth. And uh, we started, uh, we did I, eventually identify the right person uh, within an organization for us to reach out to. And we, we figured out it was VPs of marketing at B2B SaaS companies that had 50 plus employees. And so if you go, if, if you go and subscribe to B2B Growth, you'll see that most of, you know, the lion's share of the people that we feature on that show are VPs of marketing, you know, at companies that look like that. And that's very strategic because we're trying to build relationships with people that can actually buy, buy our service, which is a, you know, a podcasting service. And, uh, and so we've built a seven figure business on the, on the back of that strategy. So when I'm thinking about how you can create that important connection between you and your target customers, what are some of the key elements to have there? Is it, do you, do you need to have media that is available that you're producing or are there other elements that are important to making sure that you're able to connect with the people and network with the people that you want to connect and network with? So I break it down in the book into, into this three-part framework. And the first part of the framework is establishing what your goal is. And this may seem like a no-brainer. Uh, and everybody, I, I think, has an idea of what their, what their goals are. Uh, but we really try to emphasize in that section of the book to get real clarity. So in my case, again, it was, I, you know, I, I want to grow my business and taking it one step further and, and realizing that maybe growing my business is a dream, but the actual goal is to connect with people that can actually buy my product or service. And I think a lot of people miss the mark there. We were talking before we started recording that, you know, I, I see a lot of people that are, you know, doing podcasts and other type of collaborative content. And they think that by featuring Gary Vee or Simon Sinek or insert big name author, that all their hopes and dreams are going to come true. And the reality is those influencers are likely never going to share the piece of content that you created with them because they became influencers. They became thought leaders by creating their own content. Mm. And so I see a lot of people have that misstep. So it's, it's why I really wanted to emphasize the importance of nailing down that goal and determining the specific uh, type of, uh, of organization that you want to work with or person that you want to work with. And then that segues really nicely into the next portion of the book. The next part of the three-part framework is people. So you've got your goals and then you've got to figure out your people. Who are the specific people that you need to connect with? So in our case, it was VPs of marketing at B2B SaaS companies with 50 plus employees. That's very, very granular. It's very, very specific. And because of that specificity, we can now, we can now figure out like, okay, what type of content 
do we need to create with these people? And content is actually the third part of the framework. So you've got goals, you've got people, and then you've got content. So once you've identified the right type of person that you need to connect with, now you figure out what kind of content can I create with this person? And the mistake I see so many people making here is they want to create content that they're an expert in, uh, as opposed to creating content that their potential customer is an expert in. So in your case, uh, Joshua, let's say you, you want to, you're doing leadership consulting and you decide that, man, I really want to help, uh, managers at manufacturing companies become better leaders. So your content that you create, whether it be a podcast or a video series or, you know, a series of blog articles, whatever the case may be, the content would be about manufacturing and the nuances of manufacturing instead of leadership. And a lot of people get confused there. They're like, oh, but don't, don't I want my, you know, don't I want this thing to be about, uh, you know, about my expertise so that people will hire me. But the reality is if you're using content-based networking, you're, you're leveraging the show to build relationships. And if you're asking someone to talk, if you're asking your ideal buyer to talk about something that they're not an expert in, they're not really going to want to do it because nobody wants to sound silly. They don't want to sound like they don't know what they're talking about. And so when we started B2B growth, we intentionally didn't start the Sweetfish Media Show. We didn't start the B2B podcasting show. We started B2B growth because we wanted to talk to B2B marketers about their expertise, things that we didn't necessarily know anything about, but they did. And we just became a host for those conversations. So when you nail your content and you, you really, you nail all three, you get your goals really well defined. Then you figure out the people that you need to connect with. And then you identify, okay, what type of content can I create with these people? Knowing that through the process of creating content with them, I'm actually going to build genuine relationship. Mm-hmm. That is an interesting, an interesting concept. I definitely see the value there. Now, when it comes to the content and who you're focusing on, would you recommend that people potentially have uh, different shows if they have specific different niches? Or is there a way to be more encompassing of a larger group? I always recommend that people only have one show just because getting traction on more than one show is really, really hard. It just takes all, as you know, with, with this show, it's really hard to get traction on a single podcast. So having multiple podcasts is, is pretty tough. And just logistically, it becomes hard. Like, Oh, what, what show am I interviewing this person for? So I always recommend airing on the side of simplicity and having one show instead of multiple shows. Uh, but I do think there are ways to brand a single show where you can do different series on that show. So we have, we have multiple series on B2B growth. We've got a customer experience series. Uh, we've, we've got a series for agency leaders. Uh, we've got a series that we do called behind the curtains where it's folks from our team talking about what we're learning and experimenting with in our business. And so I think having different series within a show could work. So in your context, you know, life is leadership. You could definitely have different series for people that are interested in different industries or however you determine that you're, you know, you, what, whatever's best for your business. So if you determine, Hey, I've got these, you know, three different buyer personas that I go after creating a series within your existing show, cause leadership is a pretty good, like high level topic. And then the, the trick there is whenever you go to do your guest outreach, be very specific about what you want to talk to that person about. This is something I missed 
for you know the first little bit of me executing this strategy uh, because I I tried to scale it too quickly and I was you know I was I think I left a lot of relationships on the table because I wasn't granular and specific enough in the topic that I wanted to talk about with the person that I was reaching out to. And because there's, there was too much friction there for them to determine what that topic would be, uh, we ended up just not ever scheduling the interview. And so I think if you can go, if you can go to someone, say they're in the manufacturing space and you're wanting to talk to them on a podcast about leadership, reaching out and saying, Hey, I saw this article that you wrote on LinkedIn about this particular type of lean manufacturing. Uh, I would love to feature you on the manufacturing series of, you know, my leadership podcast. Are you up for it? Having that kind of specificity and letting them know like, Hey, I saw a piece of content that you created and I want to interview you about it. Or I saw that you spoke at, you know, such and such conference last month. I'd love for you to have you share your talk with our audience on the podcast. Doing that leads to a much higher positive response rate. So that's that would be my, the direction that I would give there. Now, is your feeling with that, is it because they know what it is and they feel more comfortable talking about it? They, they feel like they actually have something they can contribute? Absolutely. And, and, and it might not be the case where you're reaching out to people that have created a lot of content in the past. We are fortunate to where we're interviewing a lot of marketers and marketers by their nature are content creators. Um, so this, this works particularly well for us. It might not work with anyone trying to execute this strategy. Um, so you might have to, you just might have to think a little bit more critically and, and try to think, Okay, you know, I I'm gonna do you know I I want to do a show show about I don't know I'm just pulling this out of my uh, rear end here but you know I want to do a show about job changes and you're specifically talking to people that have transitioned into a new role in the last six months because you know that your product or service is sold best when you're selling to a new COO that comes on and is wanting to make some changes coming out of the gate. I know that happens on the marketing side a lot. I would imagine it happens in a lot of different areas of a business. Somebody new is hired and they kind of have that first six months to establish their leadership, kind of turn the tide in the organization the way they think it needs to be turned. And so they're kind of in, in product seeking mode. They're trying to find the technology stack that they want to use. They're, you know, hiring consulting services because, you know, they're trying to tighten up the things that they're now charged to tighten up. So there's, there's all kinds of different ways that you can do it outside of identifying what content they've created in the past, because not everybody is, you know, a prolific content creator. Uh, but I, I think there's there's always an angle or a direction that you can go that will make somebody feel special and called out. Like, oh, they they want me on the show. They're not just asking anybody to be on their show. They want me to be on the show. So it takes a little bit of digging and a little bit of research. But when you think about the fact that a single relationship can change the trajectory of your entire career, doing that little bit of research is absolutely worth it. So one thing I want to delve into here is what different types of content can look like because we've kind of been talking in the context of a podcast and that is a great way for you to get in front of people who are your target audience. That being said, is that the thing that people have to do, start a podcast if they want to follow through this approach or are there ways to leverage other types of content so that they can do this maybe if not as effectively, still do it in a way that is helpful for them and their business? 
in the early days of this, I was convinced that, you know, podcasting was the only way to do it. I've, I've since come to believe that you can do this in a wide variety of ways. So, um, you can host, you know, you can, you can do in-person events and ask people to speak at your in-person event. Um, you can, you can obviously do podcasts, you can do video, uh, you can have a YouTube series, uh, you could do a, you know, a series of photos, on Instagram. So one of the examples that I shared in the book was of this, you know, fictitious person that wanted to be a chef one day. And they realized that in order to be a chef, I probably need to get to know some head chefs in my area. And so by reaching out and saying, Hey, I want to feature uh, the work you're doing in your kitchen uh, one night on my Instagram channel by going through that process and taking a series of photos of the chef kind of in action. Um, you can do that in four or five restaurants and you walk away now having genuine relationships with these head chefs in all these different restaurants by by taking that approach. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of different mediums. I definitely don't think podcasting is the only way to do it. I think podcasting is relatively easy because you can do it from anywhere. So you can be talking to somebody on the other side of the world using a tool like Zencaster or Zoom or you know a wide you know wide variety of other tools like we're talking here. Um, but I, I definitely don't think that you're limited to that. One of the one of the ways that we've met one of our best customers was through a virtual summit. So I did a series of like 55 interviews for uh, a virtual conference that we put together called Content Summit. And this was three years ago now. It was in 2017. And by by doing those interviews and, and packaging it up that way, it was definitely not you know, it was definitely not a podcast, but it was another form of digital content. And it ended up working out really well for us. Now, James, Sweetfish Media is a group that helps to make podcasts, which can seem intimidating, a little more easy and feasible for people. So could you talk a little bit about how you at Sweetfish Media are able to help people in their content creation? Yeah. So, so we've got two different ways that we help folks. Our traditional offer, you know, we'll come in and we'll, we'll produce a company's podcast, uh, for them. So we will help them find the guests. We'll help them do the audio production. Uh, we'll help them turn that content into some LinkedIn content that performs really well, um, and help them a little bit with the distribution of that where we've evolved as a business and, and really started to realize that our customers don't want to show what our customers really want is an audience. So we've started to put together, uh, we, we've put together an offer that I'm really excited about. It's, uh, it's our collective show offering. And so we now, uh, produce five shows that are owned by Sweetfish, but they're co-hosted by non-competing customers that we have. So, uh, for example, we've got a show called crafting culture and, for crafting culture, we have got uh, multiple co-hosts from different companies that uh, you know that we bring into Orlando. We film them doing twelve episodes in some studio space that we have here in Orlando. We chop all that video up into micro video content for them. We turn their episodes into long form articles that end up ranking for specific keywords on Google. And we're able to give this much more holistic uh, service. We've got a dedicated social media person that 
that is distributing that content on Instagram and on LinkedIn. We're working on uh, partnerships with other podcasts in the space so that we can grow the podcast audience. We're going to soon be repurposing the content on YouTube. And so because we're able to pull the resources of multiple co-hosts, we can dedicate resources to you know videographers and social media folks and a different set of skills than we were able to deploy against our traditional model. And so that's a model that I'm really excited about. We've got a show for HR leaders called Crafting Culture, a show for sales folks called the B2B Sales Show. We've obviously got our flagship show, B2B Growth. We've got the CIO show uh, for IT leaders. And then we've got the manufacturing show for folks in the manufacturing space. So those are the five shows that uh, that we're currently running uh, and, and looking for, for co-hosts for. Now, James, I feel like we'd be leaving a little bit on the table if we didn't at least briefly talk about values. You mentioned at the beginning how Patrick Lencioni has been helpful in your formation of values and your thinking in that area. Could you talk a little bit about the importance of your values in business at Sweetfish Media? Yeah, so our our values are to love people well, to never stop learning, and to own the result. Uh, and uh, I'm telling you, Joshua, the, the as soon as as soon as we landed on those values, it was like it was like our entire leadership team's eyes were opened because it's it's such a it's such an incredible tool uh, to help you make you know, even what you think are the smallest decisions. So obviously the, the hiring and letting people go decisions are, are bigger decisions, but, um, they're, they're just, you know, the, the direction that we want to go with our content, um, the type of people that we want to partner with as vendors, you know, all, all different types of things are informed by our values. And so if, if we are working with and alongside people that love people well, that are on a continuous path of learning, uh, and that take responsibility and ownership, then, then we're, we're going to win, uh, in the, in the long game. Uh, so I, I can't speak, can't speak highly enough for going through the process of nailing down, uh, what your organization's three core values are. Well, with all that being said, I really do appreciate you being on the show. I like the fact that we can think about how we can network more effectively with the people that we want to interact with, not only so you know we can turn them into customers, but so that we can influence their lives. And the addition of values on top of that, really having a strong set of values that guide what we do is so important. So I appreciate you being on the show today. And I'd love to know if there's anything that you would like to either reiterate or maybe bring into the conversation that for whatever reason we haven't been able to talk about yet. No, man, I think you've done a, you've done a masterful job of guiding the conversation. I, I think if there's anybody listening that's interested in the book, obviously you can get it on Audible or Amazon if you'd rather listen than, than read. If you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, it's just James Carberry, C-A-R-B-A-R-Y. I love connecting with folks on LinkedIn. Uh, and then I, I even put my cell phone number in the back of the book. So if anybody you know reads the book and wants to talk about different ideas, um, you can reach out to me there as well. So would love to connect with with anyone and everyone in your audience that wants to connect. And what is the website for Sweetfish Media as well? It's just sweetfishmedia.com. You can check out everything there. Awesome. Well, James, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it, Joshua. 
So if you'd like to see James's content-based networking approach in action, be sure to check out his B2B growth podcast. It's funny because James was actually introduced to me by a mutual friend, but separate from that, I found his B2B growth show because I was looking for some sales and marketing ideas for my own business. So I was looking for some top sales and marketing podcasts and kept on seeing the B2B growth show showing up on lists of top sales and marketing podcasts. So in addition to picking up some great insight from the guests that he has on his show, I've also been able to see his networking approach in action. Now let's go ahead and go to today's three key takeaways. The first one is this, build strategic relationships with people by giving them the opportunity to share their expertise. People love to share what they know, and you have the opportunity to become a host or a hub for those conversations. The second thing is James's three-part content-based networking framework. These three parts are goal, people, and content. So first of all, you need to identify the goal, and in this case, it could be connecting with your target audience. For people, which is the second part, you need to figure out who exactly is in your target audience and Then the third part content is you figuring out what kind of content you can create both with your audience and for your audience. Because once again, your audience is going to be not only listening to your content, but they're actually going to be creating the content along with you. They are the experts and you are giving them a platform to share their expertise. And the final key takeaway for today is this. Your goal should not be creating content but rather your goal should be building an audience and a community. Don't get so caught up in the content creation that you lose sight of what your goal really is. Your goal is to connect with a larger audience, to connect with a larger group of people so that you can have greater impact through your leadership, whether that's a business, whether that's your team, whether it's your mission, your goal, whatever it is. You're creating this content so you can be more effective and expand your reach so you can have a greater impact on this world. Now, in our second episode later this week, we're going to be interviewing the founder of a company that's focused on employee engagement, which is a topic that I love to talk about and I think is so important. But here's the catch. Our guest uses analytics to more intelligently and effectively create cultures of passion, productivity, and performance. If you have people that work for you, this is going to be an episode that you don't want to miss. And I look forward to sharing it with you later this week. Until then... Keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So 
What's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now, or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon, and until then, keep living and leading well.